And so as we think about our research, we do look at not just the treatment as a child, but what's that full impact of the treatment for the rest of their life. The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. MentorMate empowers healthcare clients to deliver on their mission and transform the human experience through technology. For over 20 years, clients have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision, design innovative products, and build secure solutions while understanding the specific nuances of their industry. MentorMate's global team in the U.S., Eastern Europe, and Latin America helps clients in all sectors of healthcare transform their organizations. From Fortune 500 pharmaceutical companies and commercial payers to hospital systems, medical device manufacturers, and beyond. Learn more at mentormate.com healthcare. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. This is your host, Frank Chiskalki, on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. Today, I'm so pleased to be joined by Gene Mackhart, who's the COO of the Children's Cancer Research Fund. We're going to be talking a little bit about biotechnology, about cancer research, about her career journey. And I think with the the rapidly growing biotechnology community in Minnesota. This will be a particularly interesting conversation. Gene, thank you so much for joining us today. Love being here, Frank. Yeah. Well, maybe where we could start for our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and then maybe introduce the CCRF? Absolutely. So to your point, I'm at uh, CCRF as COO, but also uh, expert in residence at a Silicon Valley Digital Fund, so uh-huh. a digital DX where we apply AI for early diagnosis. Oh, very cool. And then tell me a little bit about the Children's Cancer Research Fund. What does the organization do? Yes, yeah, so the organization has a vision of striving to end children's cancers. And really what that means from a mission and focus side is we select and fund the best, most innovative medical research to truly deliver breakthroughs for children's cancer. Oh, wow. Kind of a, selecting the best. How, how does the organization go, on out, go out and do that? Because I have to imagine there is a ton of research happening in this area. That's got to be quite a complex process. It is. So you're right. We run a, a, a research uh, through advisory committee to select or to really first get all of the projects that are in review, have it peer reviewed so it's scored, and then through prestigious uh, researchers in the committee voting on and selecting the best research. Our focus then are three areas. One is hard to treat. So those Mm are uh, cancers where the survival rate is pretty low. Uh, Also uh, health disparities and then survivorship. What we find with children, the treatment uh, moves into the next phase where you you survive it, but you have then a chance of increased longer term health effects. So it could be learning. It could be um, in terms of the cancer reoccurs or a different cancer shows up. So how can we change the treatments to uh, avoid more of those long term issues? Oh, interesting. I mean, I think quite often in the work that the, the health technology community does, we're often very focused on diagnosis and initial treatment, but then particularly for children, they're hopefully gonna have a very long life afterwards and other things would come up that 
maybe we're not usually we're not usually thinking about at the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we do research on that to your point of yeah. what are a, alternatives or different ways to approach the the treatment since they're so young. Yeah. You know, survivorship, I think, is a, a topic we don't talk about enough. What, what's the issue in survivorship with pediatric cancers? Oh, you know, it's just devastating. Mm-hmm. And what we see by the age of 45, 95% of the adults who had children, uh, cancer as a child have a major uh, condition. And so that could be an occurrence of cancer. It could be uh, uh, mental disabilities, or it could be uh, brain damage or loss of hearing and sight. And so as we think about our research, we do look at not just the treatment as a child, but what's that full impact of the treatment for the rest of their life. Oh, so important. It is. Yeah. You know, I think we, we often hear about nonprofits and organizations that are raising money for research in cancer and also in pediatric cancers, when when you look at what's going on out in the world right now, are there areas where, you know, this is very exciting work, very exciting research, high opportunities? What are the things that you see coming down the pike the next couple of years that could be highly impactful? It's right. You know, certainly with the overall, the cancer moonshot that's going on uh, overall, the two things I find the most exciting, one is for children's cancer of a data sharing and artificial intelligence. So just as an example for brain tumors, there are over 100 different types of tumors. And that means that even for large institutions, they don't have enough data to be able to then to train from an AI perspective, along with Uh, clinical uh, trials and and Mm -hmm. getting the right samples. And so this is where, as an example, you see the Children's Brain Tumor Network has created then a repository and and data repository, but also a biorepository that can be used across the globe for researchers. And it takes a you know, a long research path down to even a few years compared to where it was before data sharing existed. Oh, wow. And, you know, again, I think about that's, you know, when you can reduce a number of years, that picks up even more children and almost a generation for research. And so the second thing I'm excited about is uh, cell and gene therapies. Mm. And for that, the from and to is really reducing uh, using chemotherapies as a a solution or treatment and and moving to treatments that still receive the uh, remission or, you know, cure for the cancer but also then higher quality of life for the children. Yeah. And I, I have to imagine that having those those data sharing agreements in place, there are things coming up or things happening that we, we probably couldn't even have anticipated or planned for because scientists, policymakers, physicians didn't have a world where that information was readily available. I, I didn't realize there were so many different types of just brain tumors even to think of the the volume of patients you would need to be able to get a data set that you could train a model on or develop a drug for. That's pretty darn cool. And you said that was part of the Cancer Moonshot effort? It's actually uh, operated at CHOP, so Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one example focused on brain tumor, but there are others. Uh, For instance, University of Minnesota has that with leukemia. Mm. And so this, again, with children's cancers, we always have an S on it because it's not just right. one, one specific cancer, but, but many that we're focused on. Oh, very interesting. All right, so how did you get involved in this? How did you end up at doing this kind of work? Well, you know, prior to this, I've 
I was at United Health Group for almost mm. six years, focused on almost the reverse across end to end on healthcare, it, leading out our enterprise digital and AI platforms. Before that, leading out client experience and, and transformation within operations. And then I that was a focus from a payer, provider, pharmacy, home health side of seeing the, the large end end. What attracted me were three things to children's cancer research. Obviously, the mission's compelling mm-hmm. of how can you really impact uh, children with cancer. But the second thing is the role is integrated. So I'm able to work. How does the organization operate, but also focus on research of getting to the driving to the selection, but full end to end. And so it's been uh, an interesting to go deep onto one aspect yeah. of healthcare is really the reverse compared to a United Health Group. Yeah. And now also and I loved, think. And love both. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think now the the digital DX part makes a lot of sense where you've got the the digital experience and the the DX and RX experience for that matter. Maybe you could tell our audience a little bit more about the work of digital DX and some of the stuff you're doing there. Yeah. So with digital DX, it's a, a venture capital fund mm-hmm. in, in uh, Silicon Valley. And the focus is selecting startups that are applying AI for early diagnosis. And you think primarily the testing is non-invasive. So that's where, how can we very early on identify a disease and from that then take action and pull the treatment up Mm -hmm. as early as possible. So I think of it as a continuous driver within healthcare for us, not only think about the diagnosis side, but to rethink about the treatment side. Again, lower costs in the end for healthcare, but also then improving the life. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, especially lately, artificial intelligence has been something we're we're all hearing about, talking about. Someone reminded me the other day, and this blew my mind, that the whole ChatGPT thing was only November of 2022 that it came onto the scene in a public way. What's your take on AI's impact in healthcare or potential for impact in healthcare. Clearly, I think the diagnostic side you've identified, where do you see it going? It's right. I think, you know, overall for AI, and to your point with uh, certainly with generative AI coming Mm -hmm. on the scene and a third of Americans have already, you know, tried it. AI to me, I see as the broader component. So Mm -hmm. you have the generative AI, but also AI that many of us have been working on for years. Yeah. You know, with the master's at uh, Carlson School of Management, I studied neural networks in the 90s. And so, it's <laughs> awesome. you know, to your point, it's just uh, exponentially increasing. So the directly the impact uh, for healthcare, two things. One is uh, primarily the use cases and focused on uh, efficiency. So that's improving the member and patient experience, getting down to an individual level at scale. Uh, but also looking at how can we reduce paperwork for doctors. So you're seeing now uh, generative AI being applied to uh, meetings or, mm-hmm. you know, or visits with patients rather than having the provider deal with the paperwork. You have, have AI. to turn their back and type into the health record and all of that fun. That's right. So yeah. you can get initial draft and, of course, edited or, or mm-hmm. updated from a provider side. And then also the the data processes uh, you know, end to end, how can we make more of uh, AI for automation? Yeah. Then to your point on digital diagno- uh, digital DX focusing on care, not only from a diagnostic side, you're seeing it coming through the radiology side and imaging mm. perspective. And so then next, it'll be more uh, strategic 
around what are the new products and services that can be offered? You know, how can we, again, uh, think end to end for healthcare to connect? Yeah. You know, members and, and patients are really the same consumer. So how do we move into more of a consumer based uh, business? I think that part really fascinates me. The the idea that we could personalize at scale, as you said, to be able to better manage the individual's needs or better support them in in their care, but in ways that no human could do because we, we can't process that volume of information that consistently. I have to think that the experiences and the knowledge of people who are coming out of the United Health Groups of the world, where, as you said, work very broadly, and then the organizations that are you know, very focused, very in-depth in specific areas that more and more those are going to have to tie up in some way of bringing those systems together on specific diseases or specific needs. And it seems like with the work you've done and that you're now doing, you're, you're bringing those two sectors together. That's right. And, and when you think about it, uh, to your point, it's also then integrating data, data in your daily life. Hmm. I think before it, it used to be your provider, your doctor is in one column, your daily life is somewhere else. And the same thing with your insurance company, you may call when you, you want to make sure you're seeing the right doctor. Right. But when we think about wearables and then so much of the sensors that can be in your home, mm-hmm. pulling that data in to see what are those triggers that might be an alert. Oh. And then, and then to your point, looking at even deeper from a, a healthcare side when you're looking at medical records, uh, you know, and pulling it all together to make it decisionable. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the the thing I'd ask you about in closing, you know, you're, you're part of this broader healthcare community here in Minnesota, but around the world, and you having been in the payer provider side, in the research side working in venture capital and entrepreneurship, seeing a lot of different angles that are going on. What might you say out to the audience as far as how you think they best can serve the community? And what might you say to Medical Alley as far as how we can better serve the community or better engage in the way healthcare seems to be transforming in front of our very eyes? It's right. I think of the the community and each of us as leaders, you can see how Data sharing is just one example of how yeah. can we partner together to look at what's that that better end to end healthcare for consumers, and the you know for Medical Alley I think it's just a fabulous resource from you know the one in ones you've you've connected me to to member community members, but also the events to collaborate and see what's next and how do our pieces fit together. Yeah, well, maybe, okay. One last question because this is the important one to close on. Uh, If folks want to learn more about the Children's Cancer Research Fund, how they might get involved, how they might support it, where should we send them? Yes, what a fabulous question. So Mm -hmm. uh, September is uh, Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and you can find us at childrenscancerresearch.org. So you can see how to sponsor an event or donate or even volunteer. Oh, fantastic. And folks, we'll make sure to have that in the show notes. And of course, you also can find it on the Medical Alley website. Or if you need to reach out to me or anyone else on the team, we'll get you plugged in. Great organization doing incredible work. And we're glad to have you here, Gene. Thank you so much for spending a bit of time with us today. Thank you, Frank. Yeah. And folks, that's been another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, you need over to medicalalleypodcast.org. Or you can find us on Apple, Spotify, or now on our YouTube channel. And hey, would you do me a favor? 
I know normally I ask you to share it with one person, but when you share this episode with at least two other people, it's a really important topic at a really important time, and I'd appreciate it if you help spread the word of this great story and so many others that are happening in Medical Alley. I'd appreciate it if you do that, and until next time, have a great day. <laughs>